and welcome into BTN's Take 10 Podcast. This is Alex Rue of BTN. We're back with a, another basketball-focused episode of the Take 10 Podcast. You know we gotta. It's March. March is here. March is on. This is March. It's John Rothstein, friend of the show, likes to say. So we're back with a uh, basketball-heavy podcast. And also, toward the end of the show, or actually the second half of the show, we uh, did something a little different. Add a new wrinkle, a new variable to the show um, with some more wrestling talk with the Big Ten Wrestling Championships going on this weekend out at Rutgers. So um, I'll uh, introduce our basketball-related guests, and then I'll talk about what the second half of the show entails real quick. So first guest, we got Aaron Henry, fresh off Michigan State basketball practice. Aaron Henry, as everyone knows, key contributor, uh, if you follow Michigan State in the Big Ten. He's a key contributor for the Spartans, number 11, the lefty, uh, high flyer, who um, was kind enough to give me a few minutes of his time after Michigan State wrapped up practice on Thursday with a big weekend ahead of them as the Big Ten title race finishes up with four, all, uh, with four teams still in contention, three teams in serious contention, I'd argue, with uh, Michigan State, Maryland, and Wisconsin, all having six losses going to their final game. Illinois technically still alive with seven, but it looks like it'll be a three-horse race with each team needing just one win to clinch a share of the Big Ten title. So... Um, Aaron Henry is the first part, uh, second segment of the show, uh, for about 20 minutes, I talk with BTN researcher Harold Shelton, who, if you're new to the show, joins me pretty much every week to talk either Big Ten football or basketball, depending on the season. He's, uh, great at what he does as a researcher and knows the ins and outs and knows how to talk about it and express his thoughts, um, honestly, in a really polished way that, like, seems unique to broadcasters so i feel like harold if you went really went for it could uh be a on-air or um you know i guess personality is what you want to call it he, he has the chops for it and i feel like you know if he be a dual researcher slash on-air personality kind of like the bear over at, at espn he could certainly do that so uh, or stanford steve or one of those guys so uh, maybe we'll look into getting harold uh his own little booth going forward but it's neither here nor there uh with what is here is we talked to harold like i said for about 20 minutes a lot of big time basketball talk big time tournament talk scenarios seating all that and then after harold's segment we get to the new wrinkle i mentioned talking wrestling with shane sparks i'm not the host for that segment uh we introduced a couple of our hard-working producers out in the field who uh, actually hosted this segment our names are connor hoke who is working at Purdue, and Corey Ponarolo, who is working at Rutgers. They take the reins and introduce and interview Shane Sparks and uh, pretty much go weight class by weight class and break down the Big Ten wrestling tournament that is this weekend, as I mentioned, at Rutgers. So just a little uh, behind-the-scenes, behind-the-curtain info for the listener, just so you know who Corey and Connor are. Um, we deploy... Video producers and editors at each of the schools in the Big Ten, and they work for BTN and are kind of embedded at each campus within the athletic department and get the access that we're not able to get from here in Chicago. And um, Corey and Connor are two of those those guys and um, and producers we have out in the field. Do a great job, and they came to me with an idea to to do this um, this podcast interview uh, session with Shane Sparks said of course and they are now official friends of the pod and have their own segment we'll see if they uh, continue it but um for this episode 
they got Shane, and it is a fun listen. So we'll get to that last. Like I mentioned, we'll get to Aaron Henry first. Thanks for sticking with us this long. It's intro, and to reward your patience, we'll get to Aaron Henry right now. It's Take 10 Podcast discussion with the Michigan State Spartans' Aaron Henry. It starts right now. Very pleased to be joined by Aaron Henry of the Michigan State Spartans. Just wrapped up practice here on Thursday. Aaron, what's up, man? What's going on? How are you doing? Doing good, doing good. Exciting times for you guys in East Lansing. You know, you guys were predicted as uh, preseason Big Ten champs. Went through some struggles in the middle of the year, and now here you are just one game away from that uh, preseason projection. So being here right now in March, is it kind of what you guys expected back maybe a few weeks ago when you slipped back toward the middle of the pack a little bit? Uh, it certainly wasn't the starter, uh, the midseason form we expected to be in. But, I mean, I'm proud of the way we recovered and I'm proud of the way we made strides to be playing the best ball we have all year. And uh, that's the most important thing around this time is to be playing the best basketball you can. For sure, for sure. Now, I'm curious – with you guys, you know, you get get home, you're not playing tonight. Do you guys watch the other team's games, maybe the teams you're competing with, like Maryland, Illinois, Wisconsin, those guys that are up near the top of the standings with you? Uh, we're going to get together tonight, probably uh, watch, watch Ohio State play tonight and see what they're, they're going to do. Um, we're probably going to get together, eat a nice meal, you know, just talk about things, just enjoy each other. But more importantly, it's all about the team stuff, you know, just having fun with each other, just bonding and connecting, and that's the most important thing going into Sunday's game. Yeah, you guys got Ohio State Sunday. They play Illinois Thursday night. And, and really, when I look back, you know, that Illinois game really was kind of a turning point for you guys because you guys were struggling a little bit. You were up 20, blew the lead, and almost lost in the second half before uh, Xavier Tillman got that put-back dunk to win. So do you guys think that was a, a turning point? Do you agree with me, I guess? Because since then, you've won four straight road games. Absolutely, absolutely. That was one of those games where we needed, and we just needed that uh, that turnaround in our season. And- I'm glad we got it in that fashion, but we did. We didn't need all those games before, where it had to be that turning point in the game. We could have could have got some games earlier, but I'm just I'm, I'm at least glad it happened. So that was obviously a dramatic win on the road. You've had some bigger ones, most recently Penn State. What would you say is the the toughest one or two arenas to play in in the Big Ten since you've been through it a couple times now on the road? <laughs> Mackey for sure. You always got to put Purdue in there, and uh, probably um uh. I don't know, honestly. I, I'd say Mackey, and everywhere else is pretty equal, honestly. What makes, Mackey, what makes Mackey different, then? What sets it apart? Our volume is just different. You know, that, that their loud is just a different loud. It's one of those louds that um, – it's like the brands, in, in a sense, when uh, the brands can get really loud when we're, on, when we're running. It's like – it's pretty similar. Like they, they care about their basketball at Purdue, and they care about their basketball here. So, just those us, – us and them are just the hardest place to play. Yeah, a little secret. I think Mackey, like, they have a tin roof or something like that going on, so it amplifies the noise even more, so that could be the difference why uh, it seems so loud. Man, man <laughs> probably. I wouldn't disagree. Exactly. Uh, quick stat for you I want to run by you. Would it surprise you if I told you that Michigan State's the best team in the country in assisting made field goals? You guys are number one in the entire country. Does that come as a shock or, or not at all? Not, I mean, I, I think we share the ball a lot. I think it's been an emphasis that coaches put on this, and we just have a lot of unselfish guys, and I feel like we all can do multiple things with the ball, score, pass, create, create shots for each other, and just, and we can all shoot. So, I mean, it's just, it's a huge plus for us to be able to do that, and uh, it helps us a lot. All right, shifting it off the court now. Obviously, uh, life has come at you guys in different ways this year, but recently, Xavier Tillman, now Xavier Tillman Sr., welcomed his, uh, <laughs> his second child into the world. You know, I've seen clips Absolutely. of you guys. Clips of you guys hanging out with his young daughter, uh, Yanni, and, you know, supporting him there. So how have you guys welcomed his uh, his son now into the world? 
man, it's, it's we just feel like we're all we're all with him all the time, and you know, it's, he's he's our it's our family too. You know, we we care for his daughter and his son a lot, as well as his wife, and especially him. And it's just all one big family. We accept it. It's never a problem. It's always it's always good vibes around when 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 his kids are around or when she's around. It's just the extra part of of the team. We feel like, and we're we're we're, uh, we're happy to have it. Yeah, excited to see some of those clips going around, like we saw with his daughter. Those were uh, those were awesome last year. Um, those were the best for sure. Yeah, and and speaking of social media, you know, it's funny this year. I've seen some some clips, especially it was maybe a little more prevalent when things weren't going so well for you guys. But clips of Coach Izzo really really criticizing Twitter, and it seems like he's not a fan of of uh, what's been going on on Twitter, at least from you know some certain corners of fan bases. Why do you think uh, Coach Izzo hates on Twitter so much? Uh, it's just one of those things where he sees a, a lot of negativity. A lot of people can hide behind screens or whatnot and just put things out, and they want to call themselves fans of, of a team or fans of the game. And it's like, how, you, how can you say that about somebody, you know, or whatever they're saying or whatever they're doing, and then just call yourself a fan? Or, or it's just – it's combative. It just draws a lot of negative attention, and it just stirs up a lot of stuff. So, I mean, that's why I would assume he doesn't like it. I mean, but I'm pretty sure he has more reasons. But, I mean, if I had to guess, I think that would be it. So do you guys still get on and all that during the season? There's no, like, rules against it for you guys, is there? Nah, we decided to get off before the season started, so nobody's been on it. Uh, nobody on our team, and we've just been sort of free. So we've just been chilling. How do you like that compared to last year? Oh, uh, it's cool. You know, it's not a big difference. I mean, it doesn't run most of our lives. and Some people will be on it more than others, but, you know, it's not something that we just we, we, we just lost our life or something like that. I mean, we just had to adjust and just find more time and find better time to do with it. It's kind of like LeBron, you know, used to go dark during the uh, the playoffs and, and get off social media. So you guys got March coming up now. How do you pre- prepare to uh, to lock in now for what lies ahead of the Big Ten tournament and the NCAA tournament? Absolutely. We got to lock in and uh, do, do what we're supposed to do. I mean, we're going to do a lot more preparation stuff, a lot less stuff on the court because we're going to be on the road. But, I mean, we got to be prepared and got to play hard for the rest of the time. It's, it's all one and done now. And we, we, we don't want to be done. So you got to keep continuing to play hard. How do you feel like last year's run helped you guys now going into it, uh, running it back now? Um, it's some experience that we still have. You know, guys on this team are, are – we got some new guys, some new faces in the lineup. But, you know, we can we got some leaders like Kaz and Xavier and Kyle who have been great all year for us and, and taking us to this point. And we've grown over the course of the year as we took our lumps early. I mean, we're finally starting to find our stride and find our groove. And it's going to be good going into March. All right, Aaron. Well, I appreciate you taking some time, man. Best of luck. Thanks for joining me after practice. Get some rest, and we'll see you uh, on the road to the Final Four, man. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right. Thanks once again to Aaron for joining the show. We appreciate him jumping on, um, and appreciate Max Carey at Michigan State, their SID, for making it happen. Not easy to do in-season interviews, um, especially this time of year, but really uh, appreciate the Spartans making that happen. And it's fun, uh, fun guy to talk to in Aaron Henry. So we'll talk more Spartans and more Big Ten basketball now with BTN researcher Harold Shelton. A lot of in-depth analysis of how this weekend might go, how uh, things could shake out with all the scenarios as far as Big Ten title race and Big Ten tournament seating. Harold knows all of it, and he'll explain it here. It's the Take Ten podcast discussion with Harold Shelton, BTN researcher. It starts right now. All right, we are back. The final weekend of the regular season ahead of us in the lab with Harold Shelton, Stathead. H, how's it going, man? It's good. You know, this, this grind is real. We got women's tourney going on. We got end of the regular season going on. A lot of scenarios, a lot of ties, 
it's hard to believe we only got one seed locked in with two days left. Yeah, it's your time to shine. And, and you know, we have four teams technically still in contention for the Big Ten uh, regular season championship. Three that are in serious contention, I'd argue, Illinois losing to Ohio State. Pretty much eliminated them, um, you know, barring any three-loss scenarios by those top three contenders, Michigan State and Maryland and Wisconsin. So still really an exciting weekend ahead. So I know we had to talk and squeeze us in on uh, today's Friday and get this episode out before the weekend, but also after Thursday night's Illinois-Ohio State game, which had big implications, and Ohio State came on top uh, in that one. And I want to start with some Michigan State talk because we had Aaron Henry on the show, uh, your guy uh, from your squad. We always talk uh, Sparty, you know, when we can with you because you are invested in the program. And I just want to get your thoughts on after watching Ohio State on Thursday night, your confidence level in Michigan State locking up a share of the Big Ten title on uh, Sunday. So I've heard a lot of people say there's no way Michigan State could lose that game on Cassius Winston senior night and all that stuff with all of the emotion going into that. Now, granted, it was, you know, a better Ohio State team, but I still remember 2012 when Michigan State had a chance to clinch it outright. And William Buford hits a shot at the buzzer to silence Breslin on Draymond Green senior night. Right. And Ooh. so that winds up being a, a three-way tie for the title, uh, which we might have again this year. So I think it's a game Michigan State should win. But, you know, if they continue to play the, the way they've played the last, you know, three, four games, it's a game they should win. But, you know, Ohio State's looking more and more like that team we saw in December and November as opposed to the one that struggled in January. Yeah, those are some demons. I didn't even realize uh, those historical demons that Michigan State, you know, could exercise against Ohio State. And you're right, Ohio State has really come around. Um, they're really dangerous when they have Caleb Wesson picking, popping, you know, going inside out. And then as opposed to some other teams that only really have, even if they have that big, they can do both. They can beat you back inside by dumping it down to EJ Liddell, who was looking really smooth yesterday, kind of like LaMarcus Aldridge-like by hitting turnaround jumpers, banging the post, getting putbacks when someone like C.J. Walker, who had a, had a phenomenal game, can drive and, and miss a shot but have the uh, putback layup from either Wesson or Liddell on the other side because Walker was drawing defenders and, and drawing that help. So Ohio State's going to be no slouch, I feel like. Um, it'll be definitely a hard-earned win. I don't know if you guys will be able to – to set up those, uh, you know, scripted kissing of the the mid court as as smoothly as in years past when things were already kind of locked up. Yeah, so me and some of my friends were talking about that. Like we we hope it's a scenario where you know Michigan State can get the win, and you know that last thirty seconds or so, Cassius Winston could get that that great send off from the crowd, and if that does happen, that's going to be a very very emotional building. Uh, I mean, Izzo cries all, on everything in general, but, like, it might be a, spe- a special kind of a waterworks from him, and I'm sure it won't be a lot of dry eyes in that building. But, you know, going back to that 2012 game we talked about, like, Draymond had to do it, you know, after the game during, like, the senior day ceremonies right. because the shot went down to the buzzer. So, you know, to your point, you know, hopefully it's something we get to see on TV and not something that we see, you know, only on digital an hour after. And by that point, you guys would know if you're playing for a you know an outright title or who you might have to share it with. Um, got Michigan, Maryland earlier in the day at noon Eastern, and then Saturday is when Wisconsin gets their shot at it at Indiana. So 
with those two, you know, win and and you're in scenarios as far as the clinching the share of the Big Ten title goes. Who do you think's got it tougher with uh, Michigan rolling into to Maryland? So Maryland saw the same scenario last week. All I got to do is win at home to clinch a share. Couldn't win at Rutgers either this past Tuesday. And then Wisconsin was on a roll, but they have to go to Assembly Hall and 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 to uh, an Indiana team that's looking to solidify their their tournament standing. And you know they're probably in at this point, but you don't want to lose too many more games if you're the Hoosiers. So who do you think's got it tougher? Uh, looking to lock up that share outside of Michigan State? Um, I'm going to go with Maryland, and I'm going to go mostly uh, between the ear stuff and not on the court. You know, this is you know a couple weeks ago they had a two-game lead with four to play, and everybody kind of thought it was Maryland's title to lose. They barely get through Minnesota. Michigan State goes in there, pounds them. They go to Rutgers, get pounded. I mean, they've trailed for double digits pretty much for, you know, most of the last three games. The fact that now all the pressure is on them to not completely blow it. If you still get a share, everything's still fine. You know, it can be looked at as a memorable season. But you can't afford – you cannot blow a two-game lead with four to play and not get anything. And I I, I just wonder, you know, with the pressure on them – you know, hearing about, hey, you know, this is why you can't trust Maryland. You know, some of the fans who aren't big Mark Turgeon guys, like does that – do those fans get a little louder, you know, if they do wind up blowing this? I just wonder about all of the pressures, you know, some that are completely unnecessary piling up on this team as the losses start to pile up. And they're playing a Michigan team that's, that's loose, that's playing well. You know, it's – I, I I think the pressure is on Maryland to try to pull this off, so I think they have a harder task. Yeah, it's going to be tense in there at Xfinity Center, and, you know, it's kind of that nervous tension. I feel like if they can get some shots and just see those shots go down early on and the crowd can kind of relax a little bit, get into it, players can relax and, you know, really get some confidence behind them. That'll make a world difference. But we know with Maryland being such a second-half team, you know, struggling mm-hmm. in the first half, and it, it just seems like a, a mental weight that's sat on their shoulders all year. Um, it's not like you pointed out. It's not hard to envision that kind of coming to fruition again. The first half, a couple shots rim out. You know, maybe sticks gets in foul trouble. You just never know. Um, I agree. It's going to be a a fascinating game to watch. An interesting game uh, with Michigan going in there, and uh, you know, got to wait two days for that. But only got to wait less than twenty four hours now to see what Wisconsin does at Indiana. Um, you know, senior day for them. That is never an easy place to play, especially when stuff is on the line like it is. Uh, Wisconsin, um, as we talked about, has been really solid. And really, you know, when we kind of weighed in on the whole Kobe King situation a month or so ago, we didn't really know what direction the Badgers would go. I, I kind of assumed that things could could go in the tank a little bit, maybe fall apart. But credit Greg Gard and uh, those remaining players on that team, they held it together and then some. You know, they were able to – seemingly use it as a motivational uh, occurrence for them and, and springboard them, you know, to a potential Big Ten title here. So how do you see that game playing out? And and just on top of that, if you could kind of evaluate Wisconsin in uh, through the lens of this kind of weird season, this unique season with them losing one of their best players and, and turning into a positive. Yeah, so I would say something has to give. Indiana has been great at home all year against ranked teams. 
You know, we, we've seen them knock off Ohio State. We've seen them knock off Michigan State. We've seen them knock off Penn State, Florida State. They should have beat Maryland, had the lead late, and lost it. That's the only home loss they've had against a ranked team all year. But Wisconsin has completely owned this series, dating back to when Bo Ryan and Tom Crean were on the sidelines. That's continued with Greg Gard and Archie Miller on the sidelines. Uh these teams haven't played since, you know, Big Ten Championship game week back in December when Wisconsin ran them out of the building in Madison. So it's one of those something has to give kind of situations. Indiana certainly has a lot to play for, as you mentioned earlier, in terms of trying to solidify the NCAA tournament bid. Um, that's another fan base that uh, is very feisty uh, when things aren't going so well. Uh, but – that feistiness also makes Assembly Hall an extremely tough place to play. And so if they can wind up getting the lead, that crowd can potentially take them home from there. Uh, I think Indiana finds a way. It's interesting uh, with Wisconsin, too, how it kind of worked out as a win-win, it seems like. I mean, we don't know where Kobe King's going to go and how he's going to do, but you know, if that truly was the best decision for him, uh, he probably knows that one way or the other by now, and it seems like it worked out for Wisconsin, too. I, don't know, I can't really remember a situation where – you know, a really good player left out of the blue, and then the team goes on to have as much success as they, as the Badgers have had. Yeah, certain. I think certainly guys have found their roles. You know, Brevin Pritzel has played a lot more in Kobe King's absence. Aleem Ford has stepped up um, and kind of become that double-digit scorer without uh, Kobe King around. So, you know, he was a ball-dominant guy. His possessions had to go elsewhere. They seem to share the ball a little bit more um, and find, you know, different ways for guys to score. Pritzel, you know, as Stephen Bardo likes to say, he's got that senioritis. Mm -hmm. He knows his career is coming to an end and the light kind of comes on for guys like that. And he's been playing really, really well uh, ever since the calendar turned to February. also think part of it, too, is that the schedule has certainly lightened up. Wisconsin, I thought, played a really, really tough schedule out of the gate. Um, and after, you know, they beat Michigan State, uh, in February, they haven't really had, you know, a lot of tough games. You know, during their win streak, you know, it's been, you know, some Minnesotas, Nebraskas, Northwesterns. You know, they did win in Michigan and, you know, play really well at that in that game, give them credit. But um, I think it, the timing was right for uh, this win streak to happen as they were able to find their footing um, once the schedule lightened up. Say Indiana loses to Wisconsin and loses first round of the Big Ten Tournament. I guess that would depend on if they play Wednesday or Thursday. Um, do you think they're on the bubble or close to being out? Well, if they lose to Wisconsin, then they'll be playing on Wednesday. For sure. They'll okay. be the 11. Um, and that would mean a loss to a Northwestern. Northwestern or Nebraska. Right, or Nebraska. Uh, I think that would be That would probably be it. Yeah. Would, I think that would be major, major trouble. Um, if they beat, let's say if they lose to Indiana, I mean, say lose to Wisconsin, but when on Wednesday get to Thursday, you play the six seed. Let's say that's Penn State. You lose that. They're probably fine, maybe. Could be a Dayton right. four situation. Right. Like you're still in, but you're not in that field of 64. Um, you know, it kind of depends on which bracketologist you look at. You know, Mike DeCourcy, you know, had him as a nine. You've seen others where they've been last four in. If you look at the bracket matrix, you know, they were right above that last four in, which, you know, bracket matrix is kind of a, a combo of all of the bracket. Love the bracket matrix. Out there. 
And so them and Rutgers were both right above that last four in spot. So don't want to have too many more losses uh, to put on that resume. All right, speaking of Rutgers, we got two bubble teams matching up. Purdue was able to sneak back in the conversation despite having uh, a lot of losses, I think 14 losses at this point in the season. Purdue and Rutgers are matching up for Purdue's senior day at Mackey Arena. Um, I guess Purdue probably needs the win more, right, after Rutgers beat Maryland. That's that's easy to say probably, right? Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Okay, so Purdue's more desperate. They're at home. What else do the Boilermakers need to do to feel decent on Selection Sunday? Uh, I think you got to get to Friday at least to have a chance. Um, Saturday, I think you feel pretty good. Um there's a chance they could still play on Wednesday. Um, if that is the case, then they would need to win two games uh, in Indy just to get to Friday. Um, if you Then you're looking at like an 18-16 and 16 type record, right? Right, exactly. Right. And so we've only seen two teams get in uh, that were two games over 500. You know, we had a Georgia team um, in 2001, I think it was 16-14, and 14, and they had the toughest schedule in the country. Mm-hmm. No, Purdue had a really tough schedule, but, you know, it wasn't, like, you know, number one. And so Villanova, I want to say in 1991, I think was another team that got in at, at 16 and 14. So you got to be at least two games over 500, it looks like, to, you know, be an at-large Those candidate. were 60-14 fields, too. Yeah, exactly. So. Um, so obviously if they can get this win against Rutgers, you know, depending on where they might fall in the net, it could be a quad one. It's no worse than a quad two. And you probably, you know, if they're a 10, you know, maybe you beat Ohio State, maybe upset, you know, Wisconsin or Michigan State, which they've already done already. Maybe that if you get to Saturday, that, that might be enough. But they have major, major work to do. Yeah, I asked Aaron Henry the toughest place to play in the Big Ten. And he said uh, Mackey, which is, like, very common, I feel like, among a lot of Big Ten players. But then it hit me again. Of course you say Mackey because they went in there and got smoked this year. So it was like a double whammy probably for, you know, Mackey probably is most players' first choice, but especially for Michigan State this year because that game was uh, was one that Purdue fans can probably point to at the top of the resume. Oh, yeah. It, again, when Purdue gets rolling in that building, it's really, really hard to come back. We saw Michigan State get pounded there, Iowa, Virginia. Right. A lot of teams losing by 25, 30 points in that building once Purdue gets rolling. Okay, Rutgers now. Are they in regardless of what happens going forward? Or uh, where are they sitting in the bracket matrix right now roughly? Because it seemed like they beat Maryland and and people kind of did the whole ticket is punched proclamation. Is that accurate, you think? Uh, They're in much, much better shape uh, than they were to start the week. Um, I know DeCourcy had them as a 12, last four in, entering the week. Uh, the bracket matrix kind of has them in the same spot as Indiana where they're above the last four in. I guess Joe Lenardi would call it like last four buys, like yeah. those four teams that are right above last four in. Uh, the Hoosiers and the Scarlet Knights are both in that spot. So if they beat Purdue, I think they're absolutely in no matter what happens in Indy. Um, if they lose – they're already guaranteed to play on Thursday, but let's say they lose and they're to ten and they they play a seven and lose. And granted, it wouldn't be a bad loss if it was you know Ohio State or Penn State or something like that. But you might might be sweating a little bit and you'd be rooting for no chaos in the smaller tournaments. You're going to be rooting for 
the Gonzagas and the Dayton's, um, you know, East Tennessee states. You know, you don't want Northern Iowa's. You don't want any possible chance of a, a one big league getting multiple. And so I think a lot of these bubble teams in this conference will be rooting for as little chaos across the country as possible. All right, 11 bids still in play. Pretty wild to think about. Um, so it should be fascinating final weekend here. Uh, other big game to close out the regular season. Very last game in college basketball. It's on our air. Uh, Iowa at Illinois. It's the double bye game. Since Illinois played about 32 good minutes against Ohio State and then eight bad minutes, couldn't uh, pull that win out on the road and then set up a potential Big Ten title clincher. Instead, it's a double bye clincher. Um with a rematch from earlier this season when things got kind of heated at the end of the game. It was a close game in Iowa City. Um, Illinois didn't like that Iowa dunked at the end of a game, and then some words were exchanged in the postgame handshake line. So it should be a fun one. I don't know. Personally, I don't think Illinois matches up very well with Iowa. I think Garza gives them a ton of headaches. Beat them, will go inside it out. You saw it with Caleb Wesson against Kofi Coburn uh, on Thursday night. He struggles to get out and guard guys on the perimeter, and then teams can kind of exploit from there when, when Illinois gets out of sorts like that. Um, it just depends, I think, if Iowa's three-point shooting travels because at times, especially um, you know when they've struggled this year, it's been on the road, and, and they're just not the same away from Carver-Hawkeye. Yeah, and not only that, Joe Wieskamp has been really, really struggling the last few games. Yep. Uh, they, you know, he's, I'd say most of the year he was probably a second-team all-Big Ten guy. Um, they need that guy back if they want to do any damage. Um, and he was nowhere to be found against Purdue, nowhere to be found against Michigan State. Um, you know, it's one thing to be at home and kind of pull some of those games out, but you go on the road against a, you know, a top four, top five team in the league. Like you need to have all your guys ready to roll. It can't just be Garza. You know, role players play better at home, but you need your stars to play well on the road. And if it's only Garza and Joey's camp doesn't show up. It could be a long night for the Hawkeyes. Yeah, I'll counter that though. I, I think Trent Frazier's kind of in the same boat. He's fallen on similar hard times for Illinois, so those are kind of their their secondary options on the wing, I guess. Like I would assume has still been balling. Uh, Kofi Coburn, when he's not in foul trouble, is is come back around after hitting kind of a rough patch. But uh, Frazier, I think, is kind of the the Wies camp um, of the Illini. If you if you want to compare those two, and and both. You know, need to get it together going into March, so it should be a interesting, uh, interesting matchup just between the teams. Teams with different styles of play. Uh, one that likes to go inside, and you know, does not shoot well from the outside. And then Iowa, who I guess plays doesn't play nearly as well on defense as, as Illinois does, but can hurt you inside and out. Should be fun, and also we'll see if there's any uh, any fireworks, you know, between the two teams. I hope so. I like fireworks. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like the old. You know, if you ask like someone like Jess Settles, I feel like this was how it used to be between you know your Illinois, your Indiana's, your Iowa's in the '80s and '90s when teams didn't really like each other. Exactly. I like the bad blood. You know, when I saw that, and I saw uh, Tuuru and Stevens yeah, too. I, I like seeing that. When I saw the first game and, and saw all the issues, I looked. I'm like, oh, that's the final game in right. the regular season. That's the rematch leg. Like, and now we got double by potential. It's always more fun when teams don't like each other and there's a lot on the line. And so I'm very much looking forward to that. And who knows, you know, if the ball bounces right in some of those other games, it could be a potential title clincher for the line. Now, I would need a lot of help, obviously, but uh, right. it's still out there. Right. And uh, when I saw – you know, we I, I say I like the uh, the competitiveness and all that. I do also appreciate like game one between Minnesota and Penn State when 
Daniel Oturu and Lamar Stevens got into it in the postgame handshake line. They came back in their rematch a couple weeks later and, you know, dapped each other up, hugged it out, and you had that mutual respect there. So, you know, up to a line, I think it's good. Agree. And then, you know, I, you know, you like the chippiness, but then you don't want to see it uh, spill over or go overboard. So we'll see how that turns out. Um, before we wrap up, H, I want to get your – since you're, you know, this is like your specialty this time of year. You're always sending out the seeding scenarios, what needs to happen for teams to get buys and double buys. Is there anything to look out for, anything that jumps out, or any, uh, you know, unique scenarios as we head into – the final weekend that fans should be paying attention to for the Big Ten tournament? Uh, right now, you know, it's kind of interesting, and we wouldn't have thought this, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, but if Wisconsin winds up winning that game in Indiana, it would be very, very surprising um, if they don't get the number one seed in the Big Ten tournament. I mean, there's still a scenario, but it involves, uh, you know, a lot of different things. Um, the fact that we still only have one seed locked in going into Saturday and potentially can only have two locked in going into Sunday. It just goes to show, you know, how crazy it's been. Is this like a nightmare for you, or is, do you like something like this as far as your, your job goes? Because, you know, there's so much still uh, in play. Uh, can I answer that with yes? <laughs> um, it's it to be in a lot yeah. uh, in terms of the scenarios. And, like, I was trying to go through some of them, and it's like, oh, they could be the six seed, you know, I could be the six seed in these four scenarios, and they could be the five in these scenarios. And so I couldn't send that one out yet because that was just going to be too confusing. So I still have to wait for some more games to play out. But, you know, just to see, you know, how one game can impact so much in the standings, that part is always fun for me. And, you know, to see that we got a three-way tie for first and a three-way tie for fifth, and we got a, you know, two-way tie for, for eighth and for tenth. Like just ties up and down, up and down the standings. That that part is fun. It just kind of shows, you know, how great the league has been all year. Yeah, looking forward to this weekend. It should be a lot of fun. Um, we talked last week about how great it is to have the tournament back in Indy. Um, fans, I'm sure, are looking forward to it. Fortunately, age bad news for the listeners. Anyone who's looking uh, looking forward to to seeking us out down there, you and I will be consuming the tournament. From this building in Chicago, unfortunately, uh, you know, the coronavirus scare, the the health concerns that have been sweeping the entire world have hit home here. Um, there, you know, there's been some some travel cautions, some some mandates, and uh, quite a few people are being pulled back and will not be the Big Ten tournament. That includes us, my friend. I'm sorry to sorry to say. Yeah, it was a bit of a pill to swallow when I heard that earlier in the week, but, uh, you know, I, I get it. You know, safety first. Uh, but it, it certainly was a bummer. It was it's really bad timing. For, yeah, you know, bad yeah. timing. I was really looking forward to getting down there, was, you know, especially for this year with the tournament being as wide open as it is, you know, the energy from the fans and how great the games would have been. Like, that electricity in Banker's life would have been awesome to experience. We'll just have to throw our own little party here, you know. We got, we got five days in the office. I guess four for me. I'm not going to be on Sunday, but – uh, we'll have to make it. Uh, bring bring the party, you know, a little piece of indie to our studio here. Maybe get some some food and uh, you know some some multi screen viewing scenarios going on. We can just throw it in the green room. Right, Saint right Elmo's us here. deliver. Do they deliver up to Chicago? I mean, I don't see why not. You know, yeah, I got no lie though. I have the um, the sauce. Uh, I got it during the football championship Shoot. game weekend. I have not broken it out yet. And I've been kind of waiting for like a scenario to, might be to it. bust it out. This has got to be it. I'm gonna. We got to get some shrimp. Yep. In the studio, this is gonna happen. 
And, you know, maybe we'll make a little video or something like that. Yeah, with tag the, St. Elmo's. Exactly. And we'll just feel like we're, we're an Indian uh, at St. Elmo's Steakhouse. Exactly. All yeah. right. We'll have to do it. We'll uh, we'll tweet it out this weekend. And uh, we'll wrap it up here and look forward to a fun weekend of basketball, man. Sounds good, man. All right. All right. Thanks once again to Harold for joining me. Now I will kick it over to the aforementioned um, Shane Sparks segment ran by... ETN on-campus producers, Connor Hoke and Corey Ponarolo. Let those guys take it from here, and we will let Shane Sparks take it from here as well. All right, thank you, Alex Rue, and we are excited. Welcome, everybody, to an opportunity for us to break down the wrestling tournament That will be in Piscataway, New Jersey. Yes, at the rack, the trapezoid of doom, as some call it. And Big Ten wrestling has been fantastic all year. And we are here to break it down for you on this wonderful segment. I'm Corey Ponarolo. Alongside me is Connor Hoke and the one and only Shane Sparks. Shane, the face of Big Ten wrestling and He's been great all year for the network, covering games from all the way from the Midwest all the way to the East Coast. So, Shane, um, before we get started, thank you for joining us. Um, And how has been your coverage um, across this year? And just generically speaking, you know, how awesome uh, will this Big Ten tournament be? And, you know, what are you looking forward to and kind of expecting before we kind of kick things off here um, just uh, in a couple of days away? Well, guys, first of all, thanks for having me. Anytime I can talk Big Ten wrestling, I am all in. This, to me, is the best weekend of the year. Of course, the NCAA championships will follow at U.S. Bank Stadium here in Minneapolis in a couple of weeks. But this, to me, is really the the meat and potatoes of, of the college wrestling season. And when you look at it being at the rack, I was there one time. It was several years back when Rutgers hosted Iowa. That place was fantastic. I mean, from an atmosphere standpoint, this place is going to be loud, going to be a lot of excitement. People of New Jersey, very passionate, knowledgeable wrestling fans, that'll add to it. I usually compare this tournament to the movie A Christmas Story. I mean, every year that's what I think about. It reminds me of Ralphie coming down the stairs on Christmas morning, wondering if if he's going to get that Red Ryder BB gun. The Big Ten Championships, that's what it is. It's the one thing that you want more than anything else. I love this weekend. It, it never disappoints. Opening whistle, great battles. These are the best guys in the country. You look at the rankings, nine of the ten weight classes, the Big Ten has the number one guy. It's the best wrestling in the country. It's the best of the best. It's the top 1% of the top 1%. It is going to be fantastic. I can't wait. I don't want it to be over. Couldn't say it better myself, Shane. And the wrestling fans and atmosphere – they know how to bring it, especially inside the rack. And for those who are Big Ten fans in general and may have tuned into a basketball game, they've seen that atmosphere and how loud and crazy it can get. It should be a lot of fun. And let's switch over to another introduction, Connor Hoke, who is the video editor and multimedia producer at Purdue University. And Connor, obviously, thank you for joining as well. And what is so cool about the opportunity to kind of allow us to overview and kind of break down this tournament, right? Connor is, as I am the video editor and producer at Rutgers University, you tackle 
well, Purdue University. We have other video editors across the Big Ten. And, you know, we go and have attended every meet, you know, every bout. Um, and it, there goes something to say that, you know, with watching all of these kids go and having seen them go toe-to-toe with some of the best in the, you know, country, it's cool to be able to bring our two cents as well, uh, break it all down with Shane, and, you know, have that opportunity to – when you cover a team so closely, you know, bring up some points that, you know, some of these other fans may not be able to see. Right, Connor? Yeah, uh, Corey, you know, thanks for having me on. Um, like you said, uh, working at Purdue, I'm, I'm definitely excited to hear, Shane, what uh, a couple of the Boilermakers that will be there in Piscataway, your thoughts on a couple of the guys as far as um, what kind of damage they may be able to do in the Big Ten. But I also think that they're, you know, not only are there – as the Big Ten Championship, you know, trophies up for grab. There's also 79 automatic qualifying spots uh, that are up for grabs across the 10 weight classes um, for the NCAA tournament. So it's not not even just about, you know, those top three or four seeds, guys that are trying to battle each other to, you know, to win win some hardware. It's also about those guys at that, you know, that five through eight, five through 10 spot that are trying to um, punch their ticket to the, the postseason here in March. Well, I think you bring up a really good point there. I mean, this is to make the national tournaments. And I think one thing that oftentimes gets very overlooked is how difficult it is and how good you have to be to make the Division I field. I mean, forget being a national champion or an All-American. That's, a, that's in a whole other stratosphere. But to make this tournaments, I mean, these guys are extremely good. They're dangerous. They've been working at this for a long, long time. And it means everything. You make that tournament and you have accomplished something really, really big. And I don't want people to forget that. And going off that, Shane, I think this is a perfect segue as we switch, switch gears and we're going to almost break down each weight class, kind of talk, you know, through each weight class. And there's a bunch of Big Ten wrestlers who, you know, stand out. But one thing I want to bring up, which is a segue, which you were talking about, is, you know, the opportunity to go to the next level and be in the NCAAs and, you know, wrestle for an opportunity to bring home, you know, a banner and a title to your respective university. And with that being said, you know, we take a look at maybe a wrestler with Liam Cronin, right? He continued his assault for the Hoosiers and he's been on fire. And although he's not, you know, a top one, two or three kid, right? You know, you look at men's basketball, for example, and this is going to be my comparison with a team that, let's say, makes it into March Madness. They, Shane, get hot at the right time and, you know, they make a magical run or they make it to the Final Four. And more of a Cinderella story, if you will, but can that same magic apply for wrestling? Can you know, a dark horse get hot at the right time, Shane, sneak into the NCAAs and make a run where people may, you know, have the heavy hitters and, the, you know, the top three ranked kids doing the most damage. But that kid, you know, that number 10 kid got hot at the right time. He can make a deep run. Does that apply for wrestling as well? No question. Happens every year. I mean, these last couple of years, you think about a guy like Kyle Cannell from Kent State. He uh, was at Penn State this year, unfortunately was injured. Uh, and his season uh, came to an end. But he's a guy that stands out. Uh, Bryce Meredith from, from Wyoming, a couple of years back-to-back at some great tournament runs. There's no question. The way these tournaments work is, I mean, it's the old cliche, but it's so true. Anything can happen. And you got to take it one match at a time. 
There's nothing that says in order to win a national title or a Big Ten title, you have to beat a top-ranked guy or a returning All-American or a returning conference champion. What makes sports so great are the circumstances of the moment, not of the year, not of the day, not of the hour many times. These things change so quickly. Maybe one of your teammates gets a big win, you know, two minutes before, and that really catapults you to a, a higher level of confidence and self-belief. There are so many factors that go into this, and that's why I've always said this. It's fun to talk about, but, you know, I, I, I very rarely make predictions because the reality is, what do I know? I mean, I don't know what these kids' personal lives are like. You know, what are their relationships like? What was their weight cut like? Are they injured? Did they sleep good this past week? Uh, were they up studying for a test because, you know, maybe they had that or they procrastinated a month ago and now they had to do it this week? I'm not sure. But there are so many different factors that play into it. And what I've learned more than anything else in sports in general, again, when you are talking about the cream of the crop, uh, you just don't know. I mean, you just don't know what these guys are dealing with. And uh, one thing I do know is it comes down to self-belief and what makes this Big Ten tournament and looking ahead as well to the NCAA championships, when these guys toe the line, they expect to win. And when you got two guys that expect to win, you got a dogfight. God only knows. But you're right. It's, it, it's fun to pay attention to. There will be – there. I can promise you this. There is somebody that nobody is talking about today that everybody in the wrestling world will be talking about in a few weeks. Can't wait to get to that note, Shane. And without further ado, let's start up our breakdown, if you're the overview of the Big Ten wrestling tournament in Piscataway at the Rack this upcoming weekend. And we start with he may be the favorite for the tournament, but he may be the favorite to do something that not many wrestlers have done, and that is Spencer Lee of Iowa. And, Shane, I'm sure you've seen Spencer Lee do a lot of great things and his ability but this Hawkeye has an opportunity to become just the second wrestler, folks, to win three NCAA titles at 125. Three. I mean, this kid has faced everyone there is to, you know, throw a wrinkle in his game and, you know, try to put him down. But, Shane, he just is, you know, when it comes to world-class talent and a once-in-a-generational talent, I mean, Spencer Lee from Iowa, I mean – how can you slow this man down? Well, you, you know, I got a few things to say about Spencer Lee. The one thing is I wish I had a chance to watch him more because the reality is I think he's gone to the second period, maybe twice or third period rather, like maybe two or three times the entire season. That's it. I mean, this guy has steamrolled everybody. A ton of tech falls, the majority of those coming in the first period. He takes you down. He rides you like a dog. He turns you with that tilt, and it's over with. Spencer Lee makes a mockery of how difficult it is to win matches in the Division I level, specifically in the Big Ten. He, it's a, he makes a mockery of it. It's not that easy. It's incredible what he's done. Uh, and this, here, here's something to think about when you want to put how good the Big Ten is into perspective. This is unbelievable. Sit down for this stat because this will get you dizzy. As good as the, the, the Big Ten is unbelievable. When you look at the Big Ten heading into this tournament, if I ask you, you know, who are some of the, you know, the best guys in this, this field, most people would say Spencer Lee of, of Iowa at 125 and Vincenzo Joseph at Penn State. Those two guys combined 
have won four NCAA championships. Spencer Lee's won two. Vincenzo Joseph won as a freshman, as a sophomore. He was a runner-up last year. They've never won a Big Ten title combined. Wrap your head around that. Wow. Spencer Lee is a two-time national champ. He was a runner-up last year to Sebastian Rivera at 125. Rivera's now up at 133 for Northwestern. And Vincenzo Joseph uh, last year in Minneapolis fell to Alex Marinelli. So, I mean, that's, that is insane to me. But, yeah, with Spencer Lee, I mean, he is so good. Uh, you are right. This guy doesn't roll around very often. Uh, and he'll – you know, I never want to discount how tough it is, again, to win at this level, uh, not only to make the tournament, but to be an All-American. And then you think about guys that are, are the, you know, winning Big Ten titles and they're the best in the country. Uh, Spencer Lee will go for three, uh, but as, as good as he is, and I mean, he'd be the first to tell you this, I'm sure, a lot of things have to go right to win, and it doesn't take much uh, to, to keep you from – you know, reaching the top of the podium. I mean, a million things got to go right. One thing's got to go wrong. And that's, again, what makes this tournament fun. Uh, you look at the University of Iowa and the great tradition they've had there in Iowa City. They have never had a four-time national champion. And, again, I want to I pump the brakes here myself because I don't, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're Spencer Lee. I, I don't care who you are. This has got to be earned. Nobody's going to give it to you. You got to go out and do it. And every single one of these guys, I mean, I'll tell you this. Who's the biggest threat to Spencer Lee? The biggest threat to Spencer Lee is everybody in that bracket. Every single one of them. Because uh, they're all a threat. And I can promise you this. Spencer Lee, every time he toes that line, he understands he is an extreme danger. He's not safe. He's under attack. He's under attack. And, and for that reason, he better be up. And I, I expect he will be based on, you know, all the times he's, he's been able to rise uh, to the occasion. But, hey, I'll give you an analogy here. When you look at Big Ten wrestling, it reminds me of, you know, look, you look at Major League Baseball, maybe the, the 25th guy in the bench. And that 25th guy in the bench, maybe he's, maybe he's hitting 200, you know, right, you know, right around the Mendoza line. Mislocation on a fastball and see what happens. I'll tell you what's going to happen. It's going to hit at 420 feet. When I look at Big Ten wrestling, I think that's a really good analogy. Go out against any one of these guys next weekend in New Jersey. Don't bring your A game. Don't be focused. You know, you know, you know, start looking ahead to your next match. See what happens. More often than not, it's going to be real bad things. But this weight class at 125, you know, Spencer Lee's the head of the class, but you, know, you look at Devin Schroeder, the number two seed. You know, one thing I love with college wrestling, and it gets me fired up when I'm broadcasting matches, it's those, those guys that are tough on top. That's where you beat guys. You break them mentally. You ride them like a dog. You turn them. Devin Schroeder is one of those guys. He's the two seed. Uh, Patrick McKee from Minnesota is the three seed. He's really tough on top. Uh, another guy that I had mentioned at 125 is Jack Medley from Michigan. Jack Medley is an Ohio kid for the Wolverines. I don't believe he ever won an Ohio State title. And Jim Gibbons and I refer to him as Mr. Upside. Sean Bormet, the head coach of Michigan, has been around this sport for a long, long time, uh, has had a lot of success uh, as an athlete and now as a coach. Great, great freestyle coach. He's got a phenomenal mind. And he said it best with Jack Medley. He wrestles at 125, but he's got a 1,000-pound heart. He said of all the years he's been coaching – 
Uh, this guy works about as hard as anybody, but Medley's dangerous there too, I think is a five seed. Uh, and it's just going to be a lot of fun. I want to point out real quick when I look at uh, Devin Schroeder, uh, the number two seed, one thing I, I think about too, and this might be, you know, an answer for another question, but look at the job Tony Ursland's done at Purdue. You know, this was, Schroeder was part of a big recruiting class. You know, you look at, you look at Purdue with guys like Schroeder, uh, Dylan Lighton, Christian Bruner. Uh, they got a, a really good kid uh, at, uh, at uh, Kendall Coleman at 157. You know, Purdue's got some, you know, some really good guys, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how they perform here in postseason as well. You look at a lot of these teams, they've elevated. We know about, you know, the Iowa's, the Penn State's, the Ohio State. Those are the teams that really, you know, led the way, uh, you know, the, you know for, for quite a long time. But I think where the Big Ten has gotten really good is look at some of these other teams. But I just mentioned Tony Ursland, what he's done since he's gotten to Purdue elevating that program. Chris Bono is only his second year at Wisconsin. He's, he's really ignited some energy into that team. They got a few horses. Illinois come back really well. Nebraska's always consistent. Talked about Sean Bromet at Michigan. Northwestern, they got a couple of hammers that are Matt Storniolo, and I'm probably missing some people. But this conference is so, so good because it's so deep. Top-heavy and super deep. It's got it all. Medley, I believe, is the only guy that's gone the entire match with Spencer Lee. I think he's the only guy of all his matches this year. He's got, I think he's got about 15 matches this season. Medley's the only guy that's lasted uh, seven minutes with Spencer Lee. Uh, on the Big Ten Network, one of our, you know, one of our sponsor segments is the State Farm State of Success. And, and we joke that, you know, when Jack Medley, or maybe it was the, the, rest, the Cliff Keen wrestler of, the, of meat, maybe it was, but we, we made a joke, you get my point, that, that award should go to Jack Medley because he lasted the entire match in a loss against Spencer Lee. So that is no easy feat. Uh, there's no question Spencer Lee is the guy to beat at this weight class. Uh, again, you got to wrestle the matches. We'll see what happens. But he is, I mean, if you had to pick a clear favorite at, at the tournament in a specific weight class, uh, it would definitely be Spencer. And having said all that, that is just, folks – the breakdown for 125. I mean, we can talk maybe one weight class for however long, but I'll talk to you about 133 for the next three hours if you got it, because uh, that is worth 133 is worth the price of admission times six. 133 is going to be unbelievable in Piscataway. Unreal. Yeah, well, you know, Shane, you know, let's let's get into 133. I mean. You know, you look at look at the, you know the top seed being Seth Gross out of Wisconsin. You know, he's the billboard guy. But like you said, I mean, if if you I think if you look up definition of gauntlet in the in the dictionary, the the that seed for one thirty three that group is probably what's what's in there as an example. The top four guys in the country are at one thirty three, and think about this: when you look at one thirty three, the Big Ten, the last two. Big Ten champions are not here due to Olympic red shirts in Stefan Nietzsche of Michigan and Nick Soriano of Rutgers. If those two guys were in this weight class, I think you could make a case to be the greatest weight class uh, of all time. I, I really do. I, I think it'd be the greatest weight. It could definitely be in the arguments, but even without those two guys, you got Seth Gross. He was a national champion uh, for Chris Bono, then at South Dakota State in 2018. I mean, he's the number one seed. And, you know, the thing with, with Seth Gross is, first of all, all the guy does is wins. I mean, he doesn't always make it 
necessarily look that pretty. He's not as dominant as a guy like Spencer Lee, perhaps. But, I mean, the guy can, can turn. He's so good on top. He's one of the best guys in the country on top. And when you have that four-point near fall in your back pocket, you know, that can change matches. He's been able to do that. But, but when I think about Seth Gross, he just wins. He wins. I mean, he's beaten Roman Bravo Young. That was a crazy match uh, in Madison, going off of memory here. Gross got out to a 4 nothing lead, ended up winning. I think it was 6-5. to five. And as, as Roman Bravo Young shook his hand, he, he, he made that, that motion with his fingers going, I'm this close. I'm this close. But uh, Gross has beat RBY at Penn State. Him and DeSanto split. DeSanto beat him in the duel in Iowa City. And then Gross came back and beat uh, DeSanto uh, in the Midlands final. And he beats, you know, he beat Sebastian Rivera, who's the number uh, five seed, ranked third in the country. He was down against him in the Midlands, like four or five points, hit a head throw to beat him. You know, so, so Seth Gross is one of those guys where he's been up against the ropes a few times. But he finds a way to get it done. He just – Seth Gross is a winner. Uh, not to mention before he won that national title at South Dakota State the year previous, uh, fell to Corey Clark in the national final. So Seth Gross has been here before. He's battle-tested. And uh, he won't be taking a second seat to anybody as the number one seat. Well, like you mentioned, though, I mean, you look at the, the two guys underneath him, uh, you know, RBY is close, right? Like you said, you know, the, the I'm this close uh, and then the split with DeSanto. I mean, you have to imagine that those two guys are itching for another shot at, uh, at Seth. Well, that's what I love about this college wrestling as well here in the Big Ten. Mentioned it before about guys towing the line, expecting to win. These guys embrace these challenges. They don't want the easy way. I mean, if you are a guy like, you know, looking at, looking at Rivera, you know, looking at Rivera from Northwestern, he's the five seed. So there's a potential matchup. He and Piotrowski from Illinois, who's very good. He's ranked seventh in the country. You know, that, that again, puts this weight class into perspective. Piotrowski's ranked seventh in the country. And probably he's not going to be talked about by a lot of guys. But he's, he's one of those examples I talked about before. You wrestle him, you better be ready to go because he can ruin your day. But you got, you got Rivera. His path could be, and I'm sure he, this is what he wants, Possibly Piotrowski in the quarters. And then in the semis, Roman Bravo Young or DeSanto. And then possibly Gross. I mean, I'm not sure how this is going to shake out. I mean, seriously, you could give me, you could give me, you know, one of four or five guys at this weight class. I, I do think this, again, I don't make many predictions, but I will make one. If it's anybody that wins this outside of the top five guys, they will have the tournaments, that the best tournament in the in Big Ten wrestling tournament history. Uh, I think it's going to be one of these guys. I think that's safe to say. But who it's going to be, I, I really I really don't know. I, I, I don't know. Don't know. It's going to be so much fun, though. The, when you think about, again, quarterfinals, semifinals, the Big Tens, it gets, it gets so good so quick. I mean, you go to a lot of these tournaments, you know, it, you know it, it's a couple of rounds of the cream rising to the top. The, the cream is all mixed together at the Big Ten Championships. The, the cream is all at the top from the opening whistle. Well, and I'll tell you what, Shane, which is, which is interesting. One another note I want to bring up about 133 is we look at Northwestern, and let's take a look at Sebastian Rivera, shall we? And we know how talented he is, but he's been sidelined a little bit with an injury. 
Do you think in regards to wrestling, you know, do you still think that he can make an impact in this tournament? Or do you think still think with a lingering injury that, you know, this can kind of hold him back and, you know, it'll just, you know, you know, that number four seated spot for him, you know, may not do him justice with what he has unfortunately gone through this season. I'm not sure what his status from an injury standpoint has been. Uh, but what I can tell you is my expectation is that he's going to be ready. And again, Seth Gross has been around a long, long time. He understands that this is going to be extremely difficult. But I can tell you, I mean, if you're Seth Gross and you are looking at a semifinal matchup with Sebastian Rivera, I mean, that gets your attention. If you told me right now, Sebastian Rivera, assuming he's healthy, he, he's good enough to win the whole thing. No doubt he's good. Sebastian Rivera can win the national tournament at 133. There's no doubt in my mind. With that being said, so can Gross, RBY. I mean, there's a, there's a, a handful of guys that can do it. And, uh, and they all, again, they all believe that they can get the job done. And that's, that's the biggest thing to me is, that's what I really admire about these guys is the self-belief. You know, nobody's afraid of what anybody's done or what the last match was. They're just itching to get back out there and compete. That's the common denominator with all these guys. They are fierce competitors. And, uh, yeah, Sebastian Revere at Northwestern, this, this guy is extremely talented. Of course, won the Big Ten title last year beating uh, Spencer Lee. He will, he will be a force to be reckoned with here in March at 133. And as we can continue talking about 133, like Shane mentioned, you know, for a six-hour special segment if we wanted to, right, Shane? We want to keep it on rolling here and as we transition um, into our next weight class, which is 141. Um, and again, just another weight class where the Big Ten flourishes yet again. Eight automatic qualifiers for NCAAs this year, Shane. And, you know, again, this is spearheaded by Nick Lee over at Penn State. Man, Nick Lee, to me, has been – I think he might be the most impressive guy that I've seen here in the Big Ten. It's, I mean, obviously, Spencer Lee, what he's done is, is out of this world. But you look at a guy like Nick Lee, he's had a phenomenal season. Uh, him and that, that dual meet against Luke Pletcher, uh, Pletcher came out, took him down. But, you know, one thing with Penn State, and anybody that's been watching wrestling under Cale Sanderson's regime, it, anybody can see this. They just – they wrestle calm. I mean, they, they preach this, and they live by it. It's an attitude. You come out, you're grateful for the opportunity, and you wrestle loose. I mean, it's a wrestling match, and they, and they keep things in really good perspective there. Of course, they got a boatload of talent. That never hurts. But it's just their approach to the sport. I, I think their approach to the sport has, has been phenomenal. And a guy like Nick Lee said, when I talked to him after he wrestled uh, Luke Pletcher, he goes, yeah, I, I figured I'd get taken down. He goes, that was like part of the plan. I'm not, gonna, I'm not worried about getting taken down. And that's one thing at, at Penn State. They just wrestle fearless. They're not a, they, 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 they like to wrestle. And, yeah, maybe they get taken down a time or two. But more often than not, the next thing you know, you look at the score and it's, you know, 16 to 6. I mean, it's still complete domination. But uh, Nick Lee has been – what a year he's had. I, I don't think anybody besides Pletcher in the Big Ten – uh, kept him from scoring bonus points. And I want to bring up another Nick Lee fact, and I just really appreciate about, about Nick Lee, is when he was a true freshman, he, he got pinned by, I believe it was Ryan Deal from Maryland at the national tournament, came back and won like five matches straight, ultimately ended up taking fifth place. That, just, that is so 
you talk about having some guts. That is, that is not easy to do. When you look at Nick Lee's finishes in the Big Ten and the NCAAs, he's third. He, he's he's uh, third twice the Big Tens, fifth twice at the NCAAs. What that tells me is, and this just speaks to his toughness, he wins his final match. Those are odd number finishes. That's called getting the next best thing. A lot of guys can't do that. A lot of guys, they lose one, their dreams are shattered, they kind of check out. Nick Lee doesn't do that. He's, he's been phenomenal. Luke Pletcher is definitely right there. Luke, Luke Pletcher up from uh, 133 pounds is, I mean, he looks like a different guy. He just, he's really opened up his offense. He's another one of those guys, too, like Lee. They're, they're, they're just so solid. Uh, Pletcher's great on his feet. He's good on top against Lee. You know, had a hard time getting out from on bottom. Uh, so that'll be something to pay attention to. But he's right there. This weight class at 141, Max Mearns had a great year. Chad Red is a pinner for Nebraska. And one thing with Chad Red that we've seen the last couple of years, this guy shows up in March. I mean, Chad Red, uh, last couple of years, probably not the regular seasons he was hoping for, but he shows up in March. Uh, and uh, I like that Graham Rooks, too, from Indiana. He, he's done a really good job. Another guy at this weight class that, that could be a, a real dark horse is actually I'm wrong. Rooks was at 49. Uh, at, at 41, Tristan Moran for Wisconsin's pretty funky, and and Mitchell McKee has had a little bit of an off year, but Mitchell McKee is super super dangerous, and he's a guy if he's clicking in all cylinders, Mitchell McKee could could break this bracket at 141. And with 141, Shane, and as much as we talk about you know with Lee and Fletcher, one thing I want to transition to and I gotta throw a Rutgers question in there wrestling in front of a home crowd you know a majority of the fans you would expect to be behind you and you know we talk about anything being able to happen but does that give you a little bit of extra flair you know for someone let's say you know what's a mindset like Jojo Aragona Shane going into this you know at home all your friends and family, you know, presumably would be there. And, you know, do you think to yourself, you know, in his position, you know, this is, you know, the stage where he can show the wrestling world why he was so great in high school and why, why he, all this ranking of coming out of high school was given to him in the first place? I'm not sure if there's a state in the country that's as tough as New Jersey. I mean, I, I, I say this with all due respect. I think New Jersey's kind of its own different country. I mean, New Jersey's got as much state pride, in my opinion, as any state in this country. And whether it's Aragona or anybody else uh, in a Rutgers singlet, for sure. You're ignited by that crowd. You got a lot of pride. And let's be honest, those guys will throw down any time, any place. So, yeah, you wrestle a Rutgers guy, especially in the rack, you better understand you are going to be in shark-infested waters. Don't bleed. Moving on to the next weight class being, you know, 149. Uh, you know, you look at, uh, you've got Sammy Sasso, who probably had as strong of uh, an opening, you know, season in the Big Ten or, or as anybody in the country. Uh, you know, he looks to be kind of the headliner. But, of course, you've got behind him then uh, Pat Lugo at Iowa, who also had a phenomenal season. Yeah, 149 is another one that it's going to be just a lot of fun because uh, Sasso's been a, he's been a savage for Tom Ryan in Ohio State. Uh, redshirt freshman, uh, he had that that awesome win inside Carver Hawkeye, kept Lugo from getting his 100th career victory. 
Sasso, very athletic, great scrambler, uh, has some of the best defense in the country. You know, and Lugo, Lugo's been awesome. I mean, he, he had that loss, but for the most part, you know, you look at Pat Lugo, just stays in great position. He's super strong. I uh, was an All-American last year. I believe he finished eighth uh, for Iowa. And he's, you know, it's a senior season, and he wants to go out on top. You know, those two guys, you know, they could wrestle 50 times. It probably would be 25-25. I mean, when you look at guys like Sasso, Lugo, you know, Brayton Lee, I mean, you throw any of these guys in. Store Rooks, you know, they're the top five seeds uh, also at that weight class. Oftentimes, these are, these are one-position matches. I mean, you, you got to – you find a way to get a takedown and a ride out in that first period, you know, you know, those quick escapes, able to keep a guy down. That's when Sasso did a really good job against Lugo in that duel against uh, Iowa. Uh, in the, in the tiebreakers, he was able to ride him for 30 seconds. I mean, that's – not all these matches are going to be pretty. I mean, a lot of these matches are going to be just staying extremely sound in your fundamentals and executing those little things – but make no mistake about it, executing those little things, like I mentioned, you know, those quick escapes, keeping a guy down off a restart for nine seconds. They are extremely, extremely difficult to do. I mean, I, I talk about these things on all the broadcasts, and I don't want to sound like it's just matter of fact because it is, it is anything but that. But that's the kind of matches that, that these are going to be like. You know, Brayton Lee from Minnesota, he had a uh, – he – I'm going, going off of memory here – Gosh, I thought he might have – I think he won the Cliff Keen. He won the Cliff Keen in Vegas in November by beating Sasso. Then Sasso beats Lugo on a Friday night in Iowa City. They travel to Minneapolis, and he, he come. I, th- I think he might have came from behind in that one too to beat, uh, to beat Lee. So, And that brings me to another point. Man, all these matches, seven, eight, nine, nine-plus minutes, you know, whatever it takes. It, it sounds so cliche, but – God darn it, it's, it's so true. You better be willing to battle every single second. You know, when I look at these matches, you know, what are you willing to do? You know, what are you willing to do to get your arm raised? Because the fact of the matter is, for lack of a better way to say it, you know, are you prepared to go to Helen back four or five times? Is that what you want to do? These guys all understand you want to win these matches. You want to win a Big Ten title? Uh, you, better be, you better be prepared to do whatever it takes. And it's not going to be easy. Shane, as we keep it rolling here and we turn over to 157 now, we head to the Midwest and we look at a, you know, a Northwestern Wildcat who's had a sensational year in Ryan Deacon. And this is another weight class with you know, a lot of you know, promise. Not as much, I would say, um, as some of these other weight classes. But talk about Ryan Deacon. And, man, he, he's been you know, sensational. Uh, this year and his time, you know, in a singlet. But, you know, Caleb Young as well. And this is where I know Connor, um, you know, is kind of grinning a little bit too. His opportunity to cover Kendall Coleman, who's put together quite a season himself in West Lafayette. Yeah, I'll tell you what. I'd like to hear what Connor has to say about uh, Kendall Coleman. Uh, I mean, uh, Kendall Coleman, you know, you talked about the athleticism that Sasso brings at 149. Uh, you know, I've seen Kendall Coleman do a couple things, you know, on the mat that you like, you kind of like have to, you pinch yourself to like, am I, like, am I awake? <laughs> you know, like, or like, am I imagining things? You know, he's, he's been able to wrestle with a, with a unique 
aggressiveness and, and using his athleticism to put guys on their heels so quickly. Uh, and I know that Coach Ursland and the staff are really, really excited about what he's going to be, you know, not even just going into the weekend, but, you know, look down the road two, three, four years from now, you know, what he's going to mean to this program. I'm really excited to see Kendall Coleman and this 157-pound weight class because, uh, yeah, as Corey said, it's not as, as top-heavy as a lot of these weight classes in the Big Ten, but you got a guy like Ryan Deacon. He's, he's awesome. I mean, this guy is, is as good as anybody, and uh, he'll be in the mix for not only a Big Ten title but a national title. Uh, Caleb Young, uh, coming off the loss to Wyatt Sheets of Oklahoma State a couple of weeks ago, uh, has you know, really had a solid season as well. Uh, Young beat Deacon. I think he beat him twice uh, during the national tournament last year. Uh, I, I could be wrong in that, but I, I know he beat Deacon a couple of times last year. I, I think they wrestled the duel. Deacon won that one. So they've, you know, they got a little rivalry going, and I don't think they've wrestled this year. So uh, another potential uh, Deacon Young match would be fun to watch. Again, just kind of seeing, you know, how they progressed, what adjustments they've made, because they, they know each other pretty well. And, and I, I think Kendall Coleman, I, w- I would say this. In this entire tournament, he might be the guy. Actually, he's the guy that intrigues me the most. He's the guy that intrigues me the most. I'm, I, most, I'm really serious, uh, curious to see how he, how he fits into the mix because he's, he's home run power, right? I mean, he's one of those guys I talked about before. Mislocation on a fastball to Kendall Coleman and, and look at the ump and get a new baseball. You don't have to look to see where the ball lands. Trust me, it's 450 feet into the seats. Well, you know, moving on from the 157 to the 165, you know, unlike 157, 165 uh, is a top-heavy weight class in the Big Ten this year. You know, you look at Vincenzo Joseph and Alex Marinelli, you know, Evan Wick, Isaiah White, right there, your top four seeds are all within the top five nationally. You know, this is like a lot of the weight classes, though, in the Big Ten. You know, it's going to be a tough road no matter where you're at. And like I said, Vincenzo Joseph, you know, looking for his first Big Ten title. He's, he's been in the national final three times, won two NCAA championships, but looking for that first Big Ten title. And will he have to go through the bull, Alex Marinelli, again to get it done? I mean, those two guys, it is just so fun watching them wrestle because a lot of times you might see guys that know each other really well, where they're hanging out a little bit, a lot of heavy hand fighting and not necessarily a ton of action, at least on the scoreboard. Or these two guys let it fly. Uh, they've wrestled now, gosh, is it three times? Somebody's been on their back every time. Every time somebody's been on their back. I mean, these two guys, you know, come out and let it fly. You know, kind of a contrast in styles. Joseph, you know, a little bit more loose. I think he's got the best tips in the country. Uh, very good with that, with, the, with those overhooks. He's so good there. Where, you know, Marinelli's, you know, he's going to come at you a little bit more straight on, super strong. You know, with his, with his hand fight, going to be heavy on your head. He's got that great post shot that he's, you know, won a lot of matches on. You know, those two guys are the head of the class. Uh, Evan Wick, Evan Wick, the number uh, three seed, you know, he beat Marinelli a couple of years back, but I think, I think Alex has now won, you know, maybe three in a row against Wick. Uh, Vincenzo Joseph in the duel at Wisconsin rode Wick for over four minutes, but I talked to Evan Wick a couple of weeks ago, and he loves where he's at. You know, he's, he just really likes where he's at and feels he's set to make a run. I go back to that self-belief. I'll say it a hundred times. If you believe in yourself, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. 
Uh, Isaiah White has had, a, has had a really good career at Nebraska. He's dangerous. He's ranked fifth in the country. Uh, and then you look at a guy, the number five seed, Ethan Smith from Ohio State. Uh, he's looking to, to bust into that top tier. But uh, I, think, I think when you look at this weight class, there are definitely, definitely four guys that, uh, that lead the pack. And let's keep it on rolling here on this Big Ten Tournament Wrestling Preview. And, Shane, I know we have a couple more to go. And, again, we appreciate you joining us And as we break down, you know, the overview, general overview of each weight class. And that leads us to 174. And, again, two wrestlers, particularly um, from the Big Ten powerhouses in Penn State and Iowa, lead um, this weight class. And, what do you see coming out of 174, you know, aside from those top two in Hall and Kemmerer, you know, is there much, you know, juggling in 174 that you can see, you know, maybe taking an unexpected turn? Or do you think those top two dogs are most likely to kind of find a way to be on the top of the podium at the end of uh, the weekend? I mean, it, it, it's one that you would expect, but I would say this. Mikey Labriola is the number five seed. Skatska's a stud at Minnesota. He was an All-American last year. Uh, and Skaska and Labriola have had some absolute battles inside that circle on a wrestling mat. But Michael Kemmerer, he had a really, really tough match against Labriola in that duel against Nebraska in Iowa City. I mean, Labriola was, was right there. I mean, Labriola's a, a horse. Uh, so, no, I mean, I, I, don't give any, I don't give anybody a pass to the final. Nobody. I, I don't care what you've done, who you are. This, you got to prove it every single day. And 174, Labriola's a hammer. Skatska's tough. Lighty's had a great year. Uh, Lighty's had a phenomenal year as the number four seed. Uh, Kemmerer was able to beat, I believe he beat Lighty at the Midlands. You know, took him down a couple of times, third period, if I recall correctly. Uh, you know, Hall's been great, but, but Kemmerer really controlled that match against Hall. Uh, inside Carver Hawkeye. Uh, I, you know, that's the match I'd love to see as a fan. You know, I'd love to see Kemmer and Hall go at it again, you know, just to, again, see those adjustments, see what happens. It's a different day, new circumstances. But 174, uh, you, you, you better bring the big boy pants if you want to win that weight class. There's some hammers there. So, Shane, taking a look at, uh, you know, we're, as we continue to go through the weight classes, looking at 184, uh, maybe this class is the more open. Uh, as far as if you're looking at just like the one through 14 seeds, uh, you know, the top seed being Aaron Brooks, who had, uh, you know, had a really strong freshman season. But, you know, you look behind him, Cameron Caffey from Michigan State, Ava Saab from Iowa, Taylor Vins at Nebraska, you know, Billy Anzer at Rutgers. Those are all guys that I think also can be in the mix. And, and even behind them, you know, some of those guys, you know, from 6 to 14 also I think will have a chance uh, maybe to contend you know, for that 184 crown, but certainly with 10 automatic qualifiers up for grabs for NCAAs, this should be a, a, a competitive weight class. Absolutely. 184 is going to be a lot of fun to watch as all these weight classes are. Aaron Brooks has been great. Uh, I saw him against Rocky Jordan of Ohio State in that duel. I'll be honest, heading into that duel, that was a match I, I was really intrigued by because I thought it was a huge match in that duel, and I thought it'd be really, really close. And Aaron Brooks... Uh, went out there and put on a clinic and, and really control that match from all aspects. So, you know, Aaron Brooks is one of those guys ranked sixth in the country. This guy is super talented, you know, super talented junior world champ. Uh, he's great. And, and he's a guy that I'm going to be 
paying close attention to uh, down the stretch to see where he, you know, ends up on the podium. Uh, but you, you talked about it before uh, when you were talking uh, when you were talking about Kendall Coleman that you watch him sometimes and it, it almost makes you laugh. Like, how do you do these things? Right. That yeah. guy for me is Cameron Caffey from Michigan State. I mean, this guy is explosive, lightning quick. Uh, at 184 pounds, he wrestles like he's at 141. Uh, so, you know, Roger Chandler, too, the job he's done at Michigan State, I didn't mention him before. He's definitely – he's done a great job. They had that big duel at Wisconsin. And and Roger Chandler, they, they've, they've definitely, you know, raised the bar. And uh, they had an All-American last year, and Rayvon Foley at 125. He's out this year. Uh, but Cameron Caffey, uh, he'll be in the mix to be an All-American for the Spartans, and it'll start at the Big Ten Championships for him. Uh, at this weight class to prove himself. Uh, you look at Abe Asad from Iowa. He's a, he's a true freshman. Taylor Venz is dangerous. You know, Taylor Venz, that four seed, an intriguing matchup if he would meet Brooks in the semifinals. You know, Venz is really good. You know, and, uh, and he's, again, he's dangerous. He can throw you from any place. Real physical, strong wrestler. Uh, so those are some guys to keep an eye on at 184. Well, and you look at the... You know, obviously he said Vince, but you look at the three guys ahead of him. I think the one thing that's going to be a lot of fun for Big Ten rest, wrestling fans is you're talking about Brooks is a freshman, Caffey's a, a red shirt sophomore, and, and Assad's a freshman as well. Yeah, like the, exactly. The future of this class is going to be fun to watch over the next couple of years. Yeah, the Big Ten, you know, it, it never it never rebuilds. I mean, the, right, the right. Big Ten conference has never, ever, ever, ever had a rebuilding year. And uh, you're right. You know, and here's the reality of it, too. Uh, I'm sure next year there'll be some other hammers in there, too, that are young. It's just oh, yeah. age, age is not an excuse to fail. These guys come in ready to compete for All-American and National Championship honors. And uh, there's a lot of great – it just keeps getting better. I mean, guys show up as true freshmen ready to win. It's incredible. And it's going to lead to not only some great battles – this weekend in New Jersey, but like you said, just down the road, like as these guys continue to get better, to get more refined, uh, you know, that's something, you know, those are guys, when you look at the 184 class, maybe on paper and you're looking at the national rank, you're like, okay, maybe that's a little bit of a weaker group, but that's because there's so much youth there and, and it's going to be fun to not only watch them this weekend, but moving forward as well. Yeah. Because you look at this weight class, 184 is the only weight class in the country uh, where the Big Ten does not have the number one guy. Having yeah. said that, Aaron Brooks, Aaron Brooks can win the national title. Oh, no yeah. doubt in mind. No doubt. So, you know, moving from, you know, 185 where it's, you've got a lot of youth going to 197, you know, a little more age there, right? A little more experience in that group. You know, Colin Moore headlining it, Eric Schultz from Nebraska, Jacob Warner at Iowa, uh, Christian Bruner, a guy that I'm pretty familiar with from Purdue. Um, and then also Lucas Davison rounding out that top five from Northwestern. Uh, that's going to be another class that's going to be a blast to watch. What have you appreciated most about uh, Christian Bruner? Well, I think that uh, Christian Bruner is a guy that um, he's, he's kind of a good microcosm of how Coach Ursuline has built the program at Purdue, right? Like he comes in, you know, his first year, you know, he's, he's up and down, but he, each year he's gotten better, right? And like, I think that that's something that wrestling fans can appreciate, right? Like you've been able to see Christian Bruner has gotten it better as a wrestler each year. Uh, you know, had an un had you know, unfortunately had an injury um, about midway through 
Big Ten season that's kind of kept him sidelined. But as a senior, I mean, that's a guy who I think is going to come out really hungry. Uh, and, and I know that that's a guy that, you know, if you're Coach Ursuline, like, that's the, those are the type of guys that you want, right? Like guys that are going to get better each year and are, and are hungry for success. Yeah, I, I've always liked uh, Christian, and he's a guy that you got to pull for. And I'm just really mm-hmm. impressed. I mentioned it before, the job uh, Coach Ursuline's done at Purdue because, you know, the reality is, I mean, being in the Big Ten, I mean, he's had to work really, really hard. And, mm-hmm. and he's done just such a phenomenal job. I don't believe he's had an All-American uh, during his time. And uh, this could be the year they really break through with, with multiple uh, All-Americans. And Bruner would be one of those guys in the mix. You look at this weight class with Colin Moore, two-time Big Ten champion, three-time All-American, made the final last year, just fell to Bo Nickel. Uh, just bad timing there for Colin Moore. But, you know, he is, he is just the epitome of Big Ten college wrestling. That is, you know, put on the hard hat, grab the lunch pail, and go to work. He's got a high attack rate. Just looking to punch through, you know, looking to punch through and get to the top of the podium. Uh, Schultz and Warner, the two three seeds, uh, they met in a duel in Iowa City. I believe Schultz beat Warner right there. We mentioned Bruner. Uh, and then here, here's a guy to keep an eye on, Lucas Davison. You talk about dark horses. Him as a five seed. Uh, he's a junior world silver medalist. Lucas Davison at Northwestern, a guy to keep an eye on at 197. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Moore's got the experience. Uh, he's won this tournament a couple times before, but there's some pretty tough guys in that bracket. Yeah, and, and that always makes it fun, right? Because you know, and you've got a lot of guys that this is, this is their last ride. They know that there's not going to be another opportunity to wrestle in Big Ten. So that, that's going to be an added motivation for these guys as well. For sure, I, I, exactly, and, and uh, the guys with experience, you know, it's it's you can't put a price tag on experience. Uh, guys that have been there before understand how to navigate a college wrestling season, and then specifically the month of March. Uh, and then you have some, you know, some young guys that are going to, you know, try to figure things out. And you know, maybe it's the, you know, the old analogy, you know, they don't know any better, so they might as well just win. So you never know. You just never know how things fall in this tournament. And then looking at uh, last but certainly not least, uh, the, the 285, the heavyweight class, uh, you know, the guy who's slated in the two seed right now, Gable Stevenson, a household name, a known commodity. Uh, and I think, but I think that, you know, for maybe the, the more casual fan, they'd be surprised to see that there is a guy above him right now in, in Mason Paris out of Michigan. Uh, and in this class, like, you know, I know we sound like a broken record, but there are a lot of potential storylines to watch here, and, and this is going to be a fun bracket to get to enjoy as well. When you look at Mason Paris, of everybody in this field, I don't know if anybody's made the gains that Mason Paris has. Uh, talking to Sean Barmet, I asked him, as I said, if Mason Paris were to wrestle himself this year and then would have wrestled you know, the guy last year, he said he thinks he beat him by about 10 extra points. <laughs> And that's especially at heavyweight, 10 points is like 20 points. Mason Paris has had a phenomenal season. He's a pinner. Uh, He's really separated himself uh, from the pack in the country. Of course, uh, Gable Stevenson, national finalist last year, Big Ten runner-up, lost both those matches to Anthony Kassar of Penn State. Unfortunately, Kassar, you know, suffered a season-ending injury. I can imagine if he'd be in this mix. That would just be bonkers. (laughs) Yeah. But – Paris and Stevenson did not wrestle in the duel uh, at Michigan. Uh, so that's, I would say, 
you know, that's what match am I most intrigued to possibly see play out? That might be it. And I mean, I, I, I got to give the heavyweights some love because you look at Mason Paris and Gable Stevenson and Cassiope and Hilger and Jensen. I mean, I, I always kind of make the joke, you know, these are not your father's heavyweights. These are not the heavyweights of the 1980s. I mean, these guys are chiseled, strong. I mean, they're, they're like linebackers. And the athleticism these guys bring to the mat, I mean, Stevenson with the backflips, it's, it's incredible. Heavyweight in the Big Ten, take notice. Well, I know, like, for me personally, working at IU, or uh, excuse me, not at IU, at Purdue, um, I got to see Stevenson wrestle in person. And I, I'm not convinced that a man that big should be able to move that fast, Shane. Like, that, that's not right. He hit the genetic lottery. Gable Stevenson hit the genetic lottery, and uh, Jim Gibbons, one of my broadcast partners, makes the point every broadcast, and rightfully so. Gable Stevenson, is, it's like you want to show up and watch him warm up because it's like going to batting practice and watching you know, Mike Trout take batting practice. You want to see that. Stevenson, uh, along those same lines, he's a guy you want to watch warm up because you know, he does things that, Go against the laws of gravity and physics. <laughs> yeah, he's he's definitely a dude that you look at and you're like, are you sure that you don't play for the football team? Well, I, I heard it. something interesting about him. I was at the Wisconsin State Tournament, and I was talking to uh, Minnesota assistant coach Trevor Brandvold, and he was telling me that, it, that at some point for, for quite a while, um, uh, Stevenson practices with the hockey team. Really? Yeah. Okay. How would you like to get checked by him? I, I would not. I would not. <laughs> I mean, that's a, and I mean, that's impressive. Like I, not only is you know the physicality, but the skates, like to be able to move like that. You know, a guy that's that's wrestling, you know, right at that two eighty five mark. That is, like you said, genetic lottery. Yeah, it's like the uh, exactly. I don't know how many Powerball tickets are sold, but it's a lot of them, and one person wins it. Gable Stevenson hit that hit that genetic lottery that we're talking about because it is, I mean he's it's laughable. I mean you watch him do certain things and you're like you got to be kidding me. It's it's, I mean he makes me laugh on a wrestling mat more than anybody else does because it's it's just funny to see somebody his size doing those kind of. I mean he he does uh, things that most human beings could never dream of doing. Well, I think that probably the only people who who feel luckier than him would be. Uh would be the Minnesota faithful that they get to see him lace it up uh, for them for the, you know, the next couple seasons. Exactly. You know, he's one of those guys too. I mean, you look at this, you know, this, this big 10 field, uh, these guys hopefully success uh, at the NCAA level. And, and of course, beyond that at the world Olympic level, he's one of those guys. Well, uh, that's going to do it for our weight class previews for the big 10 championships. Uh, once again, Big Ten Championships taking place in New Jersey this weekend, um, starting on uh, on Saturday on the seventh. Uh, Shane will be there to uh, to break down all of the all the coverage. Um, you know, Shane, we'd like to thank you for joining us, taking time out of your busy schedule, and uh, looking forward to what should be a, an extremely exciting Big Ten tournament this season. Really appreciate you having me on. Anytime I can talk Big Ten wrestling, it fires me up. I, I do want to make the quick comments. You know, hats off to the Big Ten Network. Increasing the coverage over this season to about 
40%. The ratings were up. And I just want to thank uh, college wrestling fans, Big Ten wrestling fans across the country that really showed up for us uh, this, this past wrestling season. It's been phenomenal. Really proud to be a part of it. And looking forward to putting a cherry on top here down the stretch in March. Thank you for having me. All right. Thanks once again to Shane, Connor, Corey. Nice job, guys. I appreciate you uh, adding some wrestling analysis to uh, the show, especially with the, the championships coming up. Big time uh, of year for wrestling as well as basketball. We, we covered both extensively here on the podcast. One more shout out to Harold and Aaron Henry as well for completing the show. And um, thanks to everyone for listening. So obviously, if uh, you listen to the whole thing, you can tell us a big weekend ahead, a lot to watch. We got wrestling, we got hoops, and uh, just going to keep getting uh, more intense from here as the championship season pretty much you know, turns up into full gear uh, throughout the rest of the month. So a lot to look forward to. We will continue to roll out shows whenever possible. We get guests. Hopefully, next week we can do a big ten tournament preview with Harold and get another guest on talk groups. Until then, thanks everyone for listening. Thanks to Wes White for producing the show, and we'll talk to you next time here on Take Ten Podcast.